<laughs> it's so nice to see you. So nice to be seen. How are you, Jen? <laughs> hey, everybody. So we're here for Mary, who's taking a break, and we will try to just, you know, keep the hold the fort down in her absence. Fort held uh, down. Fort held down. <laughs> Uh, Brian, nothing happening in the news, is there? Never. That's, <laughs> the, the nice thing about the news is there's never anything new and we don't have to worry about it. Let's talk about rock and roll. <laughs> okay. Okay. That sounds good. Or how about, do you want to talk about, um, do you want to talk about, uh, some recipes? Like what you're, what you're cooking this summer? Oh, well, it's all Lebanese this summer. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know, fuck that. Let's actually talk about what's going on. Um, That'll work. <laughs> the shocking news, I know, you know, people, I hope you're all seated, but it turns out that uh, a lawyer who worked for Donald Trump, you know, our former president, turns out he's a sleazebag. I'm shocked, 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 mind you. Yeah, I mean, and of all people, I mean, Rudy Giuliani no. of the, yeah, that Rudy Giuliani of the shoe polish dripping <laughs> down his sideburns and the uh four seasons uh total That's landscaping thing. <laughs> I mean I'm sorry. I just can never forget doing a press conference. He I'm sure he thought it was a four seasons, you know, hotel change. But, but as an aside, Brian, did you see the documentary? There was a short documentary yeah. about the whole the story behind the family that the the woman the matriarch who owns that place did you watch that yes yes i did really fantastic because the backstory is super interesting and what a what a sweet family that was and how they realized how to turn you know lemons into lemonade um but yes giuliani can turn lemonade into lemons into rotten lemons actually i i, I am stunned so uh tell me brian um uh what you you know i don't know if you read the 70 plus page complaint filed in new york state court there's a lot that jumps out at me but i'm curious for you what you find um to be the most important in terms of the future of our democracy um not so much the disgusting details but they they're related well i i don't find anything shocking about these charges this is all stuff that we've kind of known about rudy uh putting it down in those 70 pages uh makes pretty plain um the egregious assault he's had on our country. So it, I, I find actually some hope out of it because it was, there are 70 pages of documentation that show exactly how screwed up he has. And, and to, to go through them individually would take more time than we have on air today. But I will say that the thing that uh, I find uh, what slaps me in the face most is just uh, for a guy who was known as, America's mayor for a guy who went after the mob. It seems like he learned from them and has uh, adapted their style of of uh, governance and countenance with the public uh, at large. In other words, I think he's just a, he he has adopted a mob mentality. Those charges and and those seventy pages show that he has no concern for anyone other than himself and has no concern for the, the rule of law. And it's that's the that's the thing that slaps you in the face more than anything else. A guy who prosecuted others for breaking the law has no care for the law. Yeah, I um, I just want to be clear. You know, I know you know, and I know these are allegations. Yes. And even though some of the allegations come with the claim, only some that there are corroborating 
uh, witnesses or audio or or what have you. Um, it's just a complaint. Um, and yeah, not, it is a know, complaint, and it's and it's a it, but it has it a complaint based. In fact, of course, these are all alleged. He's an alleged criminal <laughs> until he's convicted. He's <laughs> just as Donald Trump still isn't a convicted uh, rapist or 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 you know yeah. he, that was all in civil court. So yes, but nonetheless, those allegations to be made against someone who who dedicated their life to upholding the law is what is shocking. And yeah, and I think I just want to talk, I like that we're going to start with some of the the human angle, um, but the intersection between, um, I would say, an Achilles heel or a major one, the intersection between um, human frailty and, and the ability to manipulate or blackmail or push people beyond their limits is something I think that the former president is keenly aware of. But in terms of Giuliani's own legacy, my God, reputation is a terrible thing to waste. Um, you know, and it's just, I am, I am, I'm saddened though, because I mean, not that I ever thought he was a super great person, but I'm saddened to watch what alcohol and alcoholism can do to a person because it's not, you know, it's not funny to me to read no. the allegations that he's drunk morning, noon, and night. Um, I know people that know him well who say he's drunk morning, noon, and night. I know people who took photos of him when they went out to dinner and they haven't published them or haven't publicized them because they don't want to take advantage of the man. They actually feel sorry for him. And to the extent I feel sympathy, but, I, well, let me put it this way. I feel empathy as a human being for another human being going through that. I feel no sympathy for what he's done because he's made those choices himself. I, but I'm speaking to, you know how I'm speaking, I'm, I'm speaking specifically though to people who listen to the show or watch the show who are either recovering alcoholics or trying to deal with addiction or have family members in the same boat. And yeah, I want to be just I very do. clear that I'm, I'm making a distinction between um, the disease of alcoholism and and the his the behavior that he is separately or it's entwined with that that he's demonstrating and those who will exploit that exploit that weakness and you know it's yeah. just but let's get to the you know to the the part when you say you reference this is someone who is you know prosecutor who was supposed to be upholding the rule of law and then um and then he seems to be uh Yeah. And so to me, what jumps out, what's to me the most troublesome part of this is the allegations that he was telling this woman who worked for him, um, Dunphy, Noel Dunphy, that he was Mm -hmm. telling her that he was selling pardons for uh, $2 million and splitting the proceeds 50-50 with Donald Trump. And so far, I have not heard Donald Trump say anything about this. And what's shocking to me is this. If if Rudy were lying about this, he was just either, one, trying to show off to Noel, or it was some sort of fever dream, or if instead he was exploiting other people in a kind of fraud scheme and, and trying to solicit their money, even though he had no guarantee of doing it, um, it's still there's still crime there, okay, but or alleged crime. But if it were really happening... Wouldn't Donald Trump, the first thing he'd be saying is, Rudy, why are you screwing me over? I never heard about this, my my piece of this, because he gets, he gets my mad. Cut? Where's my cut? Where's my cut? Yeah. Don, well, first of all, you can't believe anything Donald Trump says. And then Rudy is, you know, you know, I remember interviewing him, you know, after 9-11. And he was, you know, riding so high after that. And 
he always reminded me of, of it's it's a bit of the H.L. Mencken or Hunter Thompson thing. The only way to look at a politician is down. Um, he, you know, that's that's from Mencken and what Thompson. is that? What does that the mean? The only way to look at a politician is down. And what do you mean, like looking down on them? You look down on them because oh. there's there's just really no other way to to understand Rudy and what he does. It, it, other than the fact that he's always manipulating and conniving. And even back then, you look at it back then, you want to, you saw him after 9-11. And now if you put it in context to what he's doing today, it's like, oh, I get it. It was all about him even then. The idea that with politicians, there's always a bit of narcissism. There's always a bit of, of something wrong in the actions that they take, even if they're four people. So it throws into question everything he's ever done. And you, you can't look at him now and, and you just, I, I Part of me, because I do have relatives that are, are, are you know, alcoholics. My father was one. Um, you know, my sister is one. It's it. You look and you feel bad for what they're going through. But nonetheless, it, 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 you know, my sister's trying to get help. My dad tried to get help. Rudy doesn't seem to be wanting help. And, and instead, he's hurting. And that's a problem that I don't know how you deal with. Um, the criminal well, behavior is yeah. just without, I mean, it's loathsome. It's hard, you know. It's so it interesting. criminal behavior, right? <laughs> and when you when you look at his, I mean, the the, the uh, complaint is replete with claims of grandiosity. Like there's this, you know, oh, you know, she was supposed to get paid a million a year, and the, the complaint says that's what people around him were being paid. Or he claims that he could, you know, the idea that he was going to it's so speculative he could earn ten million dollars a year doing, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what you know where he was earning money, what he was doing. <laughs> But there is something very credible in there that he was apparently getting paid for some kind of consulting and he was having whoever his client was paying a third party so he could keep that income away from his then current wife with whom he was going through a divorce. Um, shock, shock, mind well, you. Well, I'm shocked, but you know, this stuff isn't just, you know, as someone who studies white collar crime and knows the, you know, Title 18 well enough to know, I can tick off assortments of you know of, of federal felonies that this involves and some of it is tax evasion allegations some of it is you know wire fraud some of it's obstruction of justice if you if you lie in you know court papers um it could be even perjury in some cases there's a lot going on here and i Why guess do we always mention the same charges whenever it's anyone around donald trump or including donald trump. <laughs> sedition obstruction of justice perjury it's, it's like fraud, they have a business manual well, at some point in time i want to look at their pamphlet because it's <laughs> yeah it's right whacked. <laughs> i i wonder though brian the one person that we're not mentioning um is the attorney general why is it always that it's some woman uh, whether here it's Noel Dumphy or it was um, uh, why am I forgetting her name? Who worked for Mark Meadows? Um, uh, who testified for the January sixth? Cl- yeah, uh, yeah. C- Cassidy Hutchinson. Cassidy Hutchinson. Why is it always yeah. people? Uh, if you just, you know, is it disrespect for young women? Because anyone in the world knows that an assistant, a young man or a young woman who is working very close to somebody in power, and if that person is perceived as being corrupt. They're going to be the one who's going to know the most. So why the fuck is it, excuse my French, that it's Merrick oh, Garland. Sounded like good English to me. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, why is it that he's always the last to know this stuff? I mean, you know, for, well, I, I, I just, I, you know, I don't know what's going on at the Justice Department, but, be, you know, it seems like this probably came as a surprise to them, no? 
I don't know that it did. I do okay. know that uh, there are people that uh, in the DOJ that I know that are aware of, of some of this. And I know Merrick Garland, I, you know, I'm not defending him. I'm just going to tell you what, you know, those, and I don't know him well, but I do know people, former prosecutors who do. And they're, concern about Merrick is that he's too meticulous. It's not that he's going to miss anything. It's that he's going to miss nothing. And it's almost to the point that, you know, he's dotting every I, crossing every T, and, and is going to make sure. And th that's a good thing, as you well know, of course, a prosecutor right. to, to do that. And he's not going to come out and say anything beforehand. The question with Merrick Garland is, what does he know? Right. And do we expect any movement out of him at any point in time? You know, and yeah. with the latest statement by, you know, the uh, by the former special prosecutor that, you know, they jumped the uh, gun on Operation Crossfire Hurricane and all that kind of stuff, that perhaps, you know, he will take no action, that Merrick will never take action against Trump. And I don't buy that. I just okay, buy so that. let's let's transition then to the okay. you mentioned Crossfire Hurricane. Um, you're, 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 you're talking about the, 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 the Durham, Durham approval, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell us, cause you know, it's so funny. I follow almost everything, but whenever Durham report comes on, it's kind of like someone's telling me like professional sports is on and like I just turn <laughs> off my brain cause I think it's, it's just not, there's not enough room in there for that. Yeah. So tell me more about because I think it's I thought Durham, I thought we already knew that he found nothing incriminating. So why is Donald Trump over on True Social spitting this like it's a condemnation of the FBI? Because uh, because what happened that uh, that that he came out and said that, you know, there was that they jumped the gun and that they uh, in, it started. Wait, an can, investigation. You stop, can you can you back up all the way to. Who appointed? Because this guy was appointed. Oh, well, it, Obama been, appointed, give us a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, in a nutshell, President Obama appointed uh, or opened an investigation in 2016 into the Trump campaign, and the special counsel Durham said that it was extremely troublesome that there were failures, that there was bias that kept agents from carefully examining evidence, and that uh, it was a long awaited report that came out yesterday. It criticized the FBI for jumping the gun on the campaign. And you're going back, sorry, let me just back up. Yeah. So you're talking about after the Steele dossier started circulating, right. Obama opens this, this, and that was called Crossfire Hurricane. So, right. And, and then, but Dunham, Durham was, report, wasn't he reappointed by Merrick Garland though too, to be a special yes. counsel or something? Okay. Exactly. Uh, he was tapped in 2019 by Donald Trump's attorney general, William Barr, Bill Barr, oh, right. to reexamine how the government uh, hunted down the league. So he issued basically the sentence that stands out for everyone is raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence. And the problem with it, all right, you can condemn the FBI. Go ahead, condemn the FBI. God knows I have on a, on a couple of occasions, and I've worked closely with them. But the uh, the problem is, how do you determine? The, I mean, the FBI and the Department of Justice went through the hoops investigated everything nothing happened from this investigation how do you know that you that there's nothing there unless you investigate it it's the most it's that is the biggest conundrum that you can't get past and donald trump saying it was all a put-up job well you never got charged with anything nothing ever happened the steel dossier we did find out that it was garbage it was reported on as you know i always found it specious because unfortunately i've had the experience of working with the department of justice and some of those people for many years and found it to be, you know, specious from the very beginning. So did the FBI. 
So coming out and saying, you know, that the investigation was unnecessary, well, actually, that doesn't prove anything. It proves that the investigation was necessary in order to dispel rumors. So nothing happened. The FBI did its job. And Durham coming out is just, it's propaganda for Donald Trump to use going forward in his latest attempt to regain the White House. That's all this is. This is the best time of year. The weather is perfect. You can get out and walk. I don't know. It's like 70, 75 degrees right before summer. And I'm getting really psyched about just being a healthier person. Me and my family, we're eating a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables. And I love that. Uh, The only downside is all of the scraps. Like you cut up an apple and there's the core. You cut up some celery or other vegetables. And there's just all these scraps. And I don't want to put them in the garbage because then they're going to smell. And I don't want to put them down the disposal because it seems like a complete waste. And what I'm super excited about doing is using a composter that can transform those food scraps into dirt that we can use in our garden. So the the problem though with um, composting is it can take years. My husband, Michael, who's an artist, is also an incredible gardener. And he has this place at the corner of our yard where he has been dumping all of these food scraps. But it, I mean, it really takes a long time and it's a lot of effort because he's got to go in there with a shovel and turn it over. And, you know, sometimes a dog gets into it. And, you know, I'm just not fully comfortable myself doing all of that, that kind of labor and kind of making that mess. So instead, I am going to do this. I am going to buy our family, or really, Michael, for our upcoming anniversary, a Lomi. It's Lomi, L-O-M-I. It's this incredible device that Mary has, and it will take all of the food scraps you have, and you kind of put them inside, you press a button, and boom, um, it just grinds them up and transforms them from what you saw a few minutes ago to just a little while later, dirt. And that dirt is like gold. Instead of having to buy topsoil, which is super expensive, um, you are, and you, you know, you don't really know what's in the topsoil that you're buying in some plastic bag, um, you know, from a depart, you know, from a, a giant, uh, giant store. Here, you're, you know, exactly, exactly what's going in this dirt. It's amazing. It's easy, and it just fits right on your countertop. It's electric, so you just plug it in. Um, and again, you take those those food scraps. All of us have them, you know, whether it's, you know, fruit rinds or, you know, extra pieces of lettuce that maybe didn't look so good and you don't want to eat them or the tops of carrots that you're growing in the garden. Um, all of us have these scraps and they really shouldn't go to waste. It's really incredible to be able to use them. They're full of nutrients to grow your own food or if you're just planting flowers in the garden um, or maybe you just have a window box with you know with chives and and with maybe some um, other herbs. It's the perfect the perfect soil for that. I am so psyched about this because I can now um, further my own love of composting, where it's not messy, it's easy, it's fun, 
And, you know, for for me, I, I live in a town. We don't have that much land. And I know a lot of other folks who live in apartments, um, they don't they don't necessarily have any any space at all. But what they can do with this incredible Lomi uh, countertop composter is, you know, you put all your scraps in there, you turn it into dirt, and then you can grow plants um, for your own apartment using that soil. It's, it's, it's so efficient. It's so environmental friendly. Uh, because of this Lomi, you can, you can turn your own, uh, your own waste into nutrient-rich dirt. It can feed your plants, your lawn, or your garden. And it's so important that you're not just sending these scraps into landfills that produce methane gas. You're not putting it down the disposal to go into the sewer system, which is already pretty taxed. It really helps the environment and it can make your life easier. I'm super excited to take all of our food scraps, our plant clippings, um, and even you know those leftovers from the back of the fridge, put them into the Lomi and into our ecosystem. Anyone who uses Lomi can now grow more nutritious food right in a window box in your apartment or in your own backyard. It feels really great knowing that we're not going to have any food rotting in our garbage. It won't be smelling up the kitchen. Uh, it won't be down uh, the disposal. It won't be hiding in the back of the fridge. We can use it um, to grow more food, to help the environment, and really to have fun. And thanks to Lomi, I now know um, that I'm going to be able to do this. I don't have to rely on Michael. I don't have to wait five years uh, for the you know tops of the carrots that I cut yesterday to be turned into to dirt. I can do that right now at my convenience. There's no smell and it runs. It's super quiet. So it's a perfect complement to a tidy uh, kitchen if you have one. Mine always needs a little straightening. I don't need something else to make a mess. There it is. Um, it, sitting right by the kitchen sink. So when you're cleaning and cutting vegetables, it can be nearby. I'm really happy um, with summer coming. We're planning to have some outdoor parties and this will make it so much easier. I don't know how I could do this. Um, if Michael ever goes out of town, um, I would be at a loss for what to do with all the composting. Uh, but now now we're going to have Lomi. So, you know, it is a bit of an anniversary present for for Michael, but it's really it's really kind of for me. But you don't you don't need to tell him that. So what you need to do if you want to join me and Mary and so many others and make a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head over to lomi.com/mary. That's l o m i.com slash Mary, and you can use the promo code Mary to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to lomi.com slash Mary. Use the promo code Mary at checkout. And thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. You can also find the link in the show notes. But let's be clear, and I'm going to jump to, if you want to pick this one up, Norm, um, with the Durham report, even though he comes out and says, well, it turns out it didn't pan out and it wasn't necessary, um, you know, Benghazi, you know, the, uh, you know, 
how many iterations of Benghazi probably weren't necessary either. But with this norm in the actual report, if it was so bad, does he recommend criminal charges? I mean, what's the bottom line with Durham? Just that, oh, was it necessary or is it, is it a slap on the wrist or is it more? The bottom line is sophistry. Um, remember that he yes. did bring yes. three charges, got one basic slap on the wrist for Peter Strzok. Right. The others went nowhere. Remember that in this report, he focuses almost exclusively on the Steele dossier and basically says there should have been a preliminary investigation. Uh, of course, he didn't say anything about when uh, the FBI went after Hillary Clinton with a full-bore investigation based on the book Clinton Cash, uh, which was, uh, in effect, a bunch of newspaper clippings distorted. Uh, what we know is, despite all of the breathless tweets from the likes of Nancy Mace and, uh, I think most embarrassingly, the ranking member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, little Marco Rubio, who shrinks <laughs> before us uh, minute by minute. Despite that, there was collusion with Russia. The Mueller report made it clear if they did not use the word. They said if we could have exonerated Donald Trump, we would have, but did not. And a whole host of people were, including Paul Manafort, among many others, were uh, convicted. Um, yeah, we let me know just that break that apart, right? Just to be clear, yeah. the the exoneration went with the obstruction piece. But in part one, you're absolutely right. They never cleared even Don Jr. What the first part of the yes. Mueller report said was, first of all, collusion doesn't apply here. The crime we'd be looking at is conspiracy. And they yeah. said there wasn't enough evidence of an agreement but there was evidence of many things meetings uh where the russians independently said we want to help donald trump win there's obviously evidence and indictments for um you know the uh the the troll farm um out in russia but yes you're right on this that there that th that this was uh, the investigation did lead to evidence of obstruction and then also you remember norm the part ten examples to yeah, be honest yeah yeah there were 10 examples in the Mueller report of that the they cited that of, of possible obstruction that they said uh warranted further investigation that never occurred actually. and some of them they went through just like a law exam where they said here are the elements of obstruction you know one is uh you know the the, the level the corrupt intent to in connection with some official proceeding to you know obstruct that proceeding and so again it's the obstruction the nexus and the intent and they went through each of those 10 that you're talking about brian and some of them it was boom 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 like they yeah. they, they marshaled the evidence and of course Mueller just sort of didn't want to say one way or another he left it either for a blueprint for impeachment or for the next uh well bill barr was going to ignore it for the next attorney general who ultimately, but I want to go back to this Durham thing. So Durham, you mentioned, Norm, that there were a couple cases that didn't pan out. Wasn't them one against the lawyer? There was a lawyer at, I think, Perkins Coy, and that there, that they, he was acquitted. Is that what happened? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, that's, uh, and then there was another case that he brought that uh, did not pan out. Um, but, you know, this was, uh, so we know that, first of all, Trump openly colluded 
hey, Russia, if you're listening, find no emails. And that's not even a secret. <laughs> yeah, emails emerged right after. You know, it's as if, and this is part of Trump's modus operandi, Donald Trump's modus yeah. operandi, that if you say it openly, that's not the same as if you do it surreptitiously. And it is, of course, it's even worse. And we know that Paul Manafort was up to his eyeballs in collusion with Russian agents for uh, for Putin. Now, at, you know, at the same time, what Durham does in this report is to say you tilted uh, towards going after Trump, but ignored the foreign influence on Hillary Clinton. There is zero evidence that Hillary Clinton did anything or had any intention to talk to foreign agents or others about the election. Were there foreigners perhaps intervening? Maybe so, but that had nothing to do with uh, Hillary Clinton. So this report is an embarrassment. And that John Durham at one point was considered to be a top flight Justice Department uh, employee and prosecutor, that he even has a license to practice law after this is uh, really bad stuff. Yeah, Norm, is that any different, though, than what Bill Barr did with the Mueller report? I mean, to me, I'm, I'm reading these yeah. reports, and it sounds, it's, it's almost exactly the same. Bill Barr took a, a Mueller report which condemned Donald Trump, right? And, and as we already pointed out, 10 different uh, times when there could have been and, and ticked off how it was, you know, uh, 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 criminally liable for yeah. obstruction of justice. That, now you've got this guy who comes out and goes, look, I'm protecting Donald. It, it, in essence, it's the same damn thing. Run up to an election, protect Donald, give him cover so he can uh, then scream, rant, and rave about Hillary Clinton and stuff that are eight years, nine, ten years old. It's To me, it's the same playbook, different player, same playbook. You know, I'm hoping, Jen, that we know that uh, Jim Jordan has asked Durham to come in and testify. Mm -hmm. I'm just hoping that the great Jamie Raskin and the other smart Democrats on the Judiciary Committee bring their, uh, you know, intelligence and depth to bear. And remember, this guy Durham went all over Italy spending taxpayer money on lavish uh, meals and other things, basically to try and find more dirt, which he did not find. This is a bad guy, and there's a lot that Democrats can do in questioning this guy to point out his sophistry. You know, it's to me, it's so interesting, the contrast between um, where truth and justice happen, which is ultimately as hard as it is to happen inside of a court of law versus this kind of report or the town halls or the, in other words, when, when, when there's real stuff happening, like an indictment of Donald Trump or a jury verdict against him or a several special counsel investigations or an, another impending indictment, this is super real and has major consequences. And yet the sort of sideshow kind of can take center stage because of this, you know, I don't know if this is a media problem, but the Durham report, like you say, you know, it's kind of a nothing burger. And Donald Trump doing the town hall and redefaming defaming E. Carroll, despite what a jury found, we have like still this kind of split reality um, yeah. that I find 
to be one of the, the most dangerous things that we face right now as a society. Because an I, ordinary I, person, whether it's a young person or an ordinary person who's busy trying to run their life, their family, their jobs, if they just flick on the news or flip on uh, their social media, they're getting all these false equivalencies. Um, and I, you know, or people like, you know, whether it's Jake Tapper trying to say this is a big deal or Anderson Cooper trying to gaslight us about how they stacked the audience to cheer for this unrepentant rapist uh, at the town hall. What's going on? Well, it's it that is it's a couple of things to unpack there. First of all, with the town hall that, you know, I, I know three people that were in that town hall and they said, look, it wasn't they were told they couldn't boo, they could only cheer. And when Donald Trump said some of the most egregious things that he said, more than half of the audience simply sat there and did nothing or frowned. It was the vocal minority. That is Donald Trump's audience, the vocal minority. And he's trying to make it sound like he has much more um, uh, support than he actually does. So yes, there is a problem. The second thing to unpack with that is you have to be a wise and, and, uh, and an investigative reporter yourself, when you watch news these days, you cannot take things for granted without double checking, triple checking, and checking who's vetted the facts and who you're looking at. You know, so if it's Breitbart or, or uh, the Epic Times or you know, Bufu Bamubu or whoever it is, you gotta know. You gotta know whether or not. Wait, can you wait? Bufuamumu.com or yeah, Bufuamumu.com. Is <laughs> <laughs> it, but it, it, if you actually check it out and and bet it you know it's like i know people are very upset that donald trump did that um, um town hall but here's the thing it exposes i think i take the opposite view on that it exposes him even more for how depraved he is and i think it helps other people understand when he comes out you know right now the republican party is saying that president biden doesn't want to solve the the debt ceiling problem it was <laughs> and that they do However, the guy who's the head of their party sat live on television and said, screw it, default on the on, on the, the debts, and, which he's done his entire life. So, the, Actually, the, can I give the quote? I think we should do a default. Yeah, I think, I think we should do a default. And I mean, we're not, not only is he, Donald. You didn't roll trip sixes. He's such an right. idiot and inarticulate and vulgar, on top yeah. of everything bad about it. Oh, and you're a nasty... You know, you're a nasty person. To, you know, come on. I, 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 all of that is just an indication to me of how desperate he is. And it's, I had, you know, not seen him in a while in person. I thought he, he came across as pedantic and tiresome. I thought he looked a little tired and angry. And all of that stuff is, you know, you need as a viewer, and I hope that we're teaching people how to be judicious viewers and 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 uh, readers of news because it's not you've got to be able to discern if you're going to just accept what you see you're going to get screwed and i i think and at the end of the day though i also think that the more you see of donald trump the less you like of him and there's a you know a fatigue factor even for those who like him they're going all right fine we've seen it we've I, heard I it know, I know. Yeah, yeah but i'm really worried because maybe it's because i just lost yeah. i mean spoiler alert uh sunday's episode of succession are you are you succession watchers you two unfortunately yeah, so. it reminds me too much of life but yes. yeah i mean you know there's I don't, without going over the details it was a little bit of a wake-up call because there's always this forgetting that this man is likely to be 
the Republican candidate. And at this point, at this, at this point, point in time, and but I don't think that that I think you have to carry a, a, a this is just May of the year before the election. And so much can happen between now and next May, which right. is when you really have to start paying attention. And I, I think that Donald Trump is trying to make people believe he's trying to steamroll his way into this. And I think he's already laid the foundations for backing out of it. You know, he said, I can run. And then a, uh, a doctor will say, hey, you can't do it. And I got to back out. And so he can't. I, he's got I, these yeah. criminal charges. He's got. All I understand that. that. I do understand I that. And I, I take the opposite point of view. He wants to run because he still thinks he can win. And the fact is that while it would be nice to have discerning viewers, we have many more who are not. Oh, that, it, that given the electoral college and the voter suppression measures that are taking place in state after state, given the possibility that the pernicious no labels could try and swing the election to him, he's got a chance of winning. And of if course. he wins, he will pardon himself. And he will pardon all of the others involved in January 6th and beyond. He will put in Michael Flynn and others, and he will exact retribution as he said. He wants to well, run. This is a revenge tour. One second, excuse to back out. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. What I think is that we're missing a, a, a finer point. And I'm more uh, concerned if he isn't there, who will be? Yeah. And that's Ron DeSantis. And everything that you. And everything well, that you've, that's, that's the point I'm making. Yeah. It's, everything that you've just said about Donald Trump, double it with Ron DeSantis. We have a problem at the, because what Ron DeSantis demonstrates is how much we often ignore the problem we have, um, you know, in local school boards and, you know, in states where a single, you know, parent, a single person in the community can decide for everybody else what's going to be in the public library or what's going to be part of the curriculum. And the thing about, you know, the whole argument about states' rights, whether it comes to questions of abortion rights or it comes to curriculum in the schools or what have you, or they don't, it's not the argument that, oh, we just want to leave it to the states is absolutely not true. Because if you look at the way the college board works, if Florida, giant state, refuses to teach a certain curriculum, then they're not going to, they're going to have one test and then they're going to change the curriculum to satisfy Florida. It's kind of like the reverse of what happened or similar what happened, happened that's, that's in California. True. When California yeah. changes the emission standards, the auto auto companies have to comply. Well, now this this kind of thing is happening. And, you know, furthermore, there's, you know, Donald Trump at the, you know, he said at the town hall, just going back to it, he would not preclude, he hinted that he would absolutely sign a nationwide abortion ban. The only thing he's quibbling about is how early on how early, you know, would it be, you know, not even, you know, would it be a ban from conception um, or would it be one week, two weeks, three weeks, six weeks? He will do that. And this well, is his happening. only concern. His only concern is. Same with DeSantis, by the way. I should, yeah. I should say any, I, I should, from now on, instead of saying Donald Trump, I should say the Republican leadership will. Yeah. Yes. That's, and what my concern actually, Jen, is that Donald Trump is trying to learn now how to control government norm in, in case he gets back in and, and he wants to do everything that you outlined. The, the real concern 
is that uh, DeSantis already knows how to do that. He knows how to pull the levers of government much better than Donald Trump ever has. And as far as the nationwide ban, if you know Donald Trump, the only thing that he's going to be concerned about is he wants to make sure that the ban isn't in place <clears throat> until after he's notified by his girlfriend that she's pregnant. So he could at least have, you know, that that will be the deciding factor. Oh, they'll never him. be, they'll never be, for people like him, there'll always be the option for a DNC or a surgical procedure or what have you. Yeah, like that's not gonna. That's not gonna. That's not. None of the rules are, are, are apply to these. None of the rules apply to any of them that have versus those that have not. You are absolutely right. I'm I'm skeptical about DeSantis winning a nomination, but I agree with you entirely that he is an evil, evil figure, and. What he's doing in Florida is even beyond what you said, Jen. He's trying to destroy all public education. Right. He wants to right. replace the public schools from elementary through high school with schools of indoctrination. He wants to basically turn the public universities in Florida into uh, you know, mills of right-wing uh, uh, conspiracy. Right. Um, that's only a part of it. Now, if you look at the people that he's put in place, including a Surgeon General uh, who basically lied about COVID and who's uh, a full-on quack, and most of the others, you look at what he's done to fire elected uh, uh, district attorneys, uh, he is a full-blown fascist, in my view. And yes. yeah. but he is also a pill and somebody who can't stand up to criticism. So I doubt that he'll make it. But the reality is, any of the others out there, there may be some who you could imagine would be marginally better if somehow a Chris Christie emerged. He's not going to blow up our alliances the same way that Trump or DeSantis would. But he'll put in judges who are just as bad as Alito, Thomas, and the other corrupt ones on the Supreme Court. He'll tilt policy in a terrible direction. Uh, none of them would do any uh, good for the country except to take us further into the dark ages. But I still think if I were uh, John Roberts at this point, I'd be looking into whether you can uh, administer the oath of office in a federal penitentiary or a state <laughs> one in, uh, uh, well, you got to admit, it'd be the, a great scene in a movie. <laughs> yeah, and the Supreme Court wow. is going to have to decide mm -hmm. whether you can pardon yourself from prison uh, yeah. as a president. How would you like to hold cabinet meetings in prison? That's <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the the thing is, right? I mean, DeSantis is not charismatic, um, and that's what made me so uh, concerned about the succession program because of the guy they have playing the the character running for president the the fascist guy is charismatic and attractive um yeah. and you know if if the republicans weren't also or if politicians in general weren't also stuck on themselves uh they would find somebody who would who would fit the bill and thank god they yeah. they haven't you know a current like a modern cheney day Ronald Reagan. cheney Don't, so when you say cheney and kinsinger I'm, I'm gonna go back to when i thought you were talking about dick cheney yeah and Where's cheney Right. Liz Cheney. No, I mean, Liz Cheney. Two, right. That's the scary. Right. Because her Jen, politics on, on, on choice are terrible. She's so anti. I, I don't like I don't like her at all. I don't think she's a heroism. But the Republicans, if they ever got their, you know, their collective shit together, that would be a, 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 that that's a ticket to 
could entice women voters and and moderates and others because of the stance that she took in January 6th. They won't look any farther than that than go, she's a hero. They, That's she, not going to happen. And I know it won't happen. It will never happen because she, they could. She couldn't get out of a Republican primary because of what she did to Donald Trump. The, the, but to Jen's point, that's the type of thing that you know. I don't think you know. DeSantis has all the appeal of roadkill, and if you're a Democrat right now, you want him instead of Donald Trump. And it doesn't matter what the polls say right now about uh, about Trump because in in the end. It, if the Democrats get their, you know, they can snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory every time. But if they got their messaging down, they'll 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 thump Trump. But it, and and they could take DeSantis. But but Kinsinger and Cheney would be. It's the all the you know we have, it's all the electoral college. I mean, let's just remember. I know you all know this. But yes. Let's just be clear. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote and just you know barely lost the electoral college let's remember donald trump has never won the popular vote no okay so it's very much a question of how these states go and and what how their gerrymandering goes and like you know on succession spoiler if someone bombs you know the milwaukee vote office i mean you know that that just freaked me out we don't have anything in place what if there's a major storm an early snowstorm there's so many factors that i you know that i'm very nervous even if you know even if you think trump can be thumped i don't know well i i will tell you what makes me even more nervous uh the way the press is covering the debt ceiling okay uh, good. including um, you know, all of these taking statements by Kevin McCarthy at face value when he says, I just don't think that uh, Joe Biden wants a deal. Um, if there is a default or if we come close again, and this time I think the reaction in the markets will be even worse than it was when we came close in 2011, it will very likely get blamed on Joe Biden. And that could carry through into next year. Now, you put that together with the Electoral College bias, with what we're seeing in Georgia and other states now, North Carolina, the swing states in one form or another that are tilting the scales even more against uh, Democrats. If you think about what may well be the lack of enthusiasm that should be there for good parts of the Democratic party base and then you throw in the no labels threat uh we are far from being confident that we're going to get another democrat in the white house and you know there are just a whole lot of things uh that are uh, making me uneasy uh, out there they shouldn't be we don't have a republican party anymore we have a full-blown fanatic cult and whether it's Trump or almost anybody else who conceivably could win a nomination, we're heading down a bad path and they could easily win. And if they don't, there's still a very great likelihood that Republicans hold the, take the Senate and would make the life of a second uh, Biden term miserable. Uh, that would be the end of more judges. Uh, that would be the end of effective, if there is any oversight of the Supreme Court, they would be unleashed in ways, and uh, that's true of other courts as well. 
in ways that would really hamstring a president so and the country. What should we do? What should all of us, what should you, me, and Brian do about this? And what should the people who are watching and listening? Because there's plenty of time to try to do something. But what is that thing? Well, among other things, we really do need to keep shining a spotlight on no labels and make sure that they don't. I know what that is, but what do you want to elaborate a little more about that? This is an organization started a long time ago uh, by Nancy Jacobson, who's uh, uh, an activist in her own part, but married to Mark Penn. It was originally a very good idea to try and lower the temperature and focus on problem solving. It has degenerated into something else. Uh, One of their co-chairs is Joe Lieberman. They have $70 million uh, in mostly dark money funding, uh, and they're aiming at getting on the ballot for an independent candidacy in states across the, uh, the, the uh, country, but, and they have succeeded in Colorado and a few other places. They have now been charged with deception in Maine by trying to get people to sign a petition that they think is just to allow an independent candidate on the ballot, but it's actually switching their party allegiance to a no-labels party. And while they say that they won't put up a candidate if the two parties uh, put up non-extremists, they have basically equated Joe Biden as an extremist with Donald Trump as an extremist. So it's a uh, something to keep an eye on. At the same time, You, Brian, and I have to do what we've been doing, which is to scream as loud as we can (laughs) using the the bully pulpits, weak as they may be, to try and put the spotlight on mainstream media, among others. Uh, You know, um, the uh, publisher of the New York Times uh, did an interesting, and if you looked at it in isolation, quite reasonable piece in the Columbia Journalism Review Uh, defending objective journalism. But if you juxtapose that with some of the ways in which the Times has covered these issues, and the Times is still the paper of record, and it's used by newspapers and other media around the country to frame issues. If you look at what's happening with CNN, and that's still a place where it's framed for an awful lot of potential voters, we have to keep pounding away at the reality that your job is not to, uh, to report both sides as if they're equal, well, to normalize abnormal politics, but to report the truth. Let me just say a quick thing, Brian, which yeah, is sure. what the Times doesn't have, I don't think, and I don't think the Post does either. You know, they've got their reporters who can talk about the, you know, the horse race or what this one said or what that one said, and they have opinion, you know, columnists. But none of their opinion columnists are actually policy experts in any of the major policy areas. They don't have. Well, they don't they're not have even a, journalists, Jen. They don't have a bench, sure. bench of experts. And I remember this from you know years yeah. ago, two two election campaigns ago. They don't. They don't even bring on people. I think you know who are ex who are real experts. I don't mean just that have been reporting on it. That's but you could have the- academics who specialize in any of these areas who actually are credible, who could be opinion columnists and talk about the campaign um, platforms and and actually say whether something's bullshit or not. I mean, you know, you know, something like, you know, not, I don't know, they don't, they don't do that. 
And that's a well, problem. That part of it is budget. But let me unpack two things. First of all, all politics is local. Tip O'Neill taught us that, former Speaker of the House. In those areas in the country where the Electoral College is up, that's where the going forward, we've got to concentrate on those states, those swing states, <clears throat> in order to make sure that the Republicans or the uh, or I don't want to call them Republicans. <clears throat> Let's call them what they are. Where the fascists, the minority fascists, don't win. That's where they're going to concentrate their efforts. That's where we have to concentrate ours. You cannot depend on the Democrats, who are horrible at messaging, to do it. They are horrible, and and the mainstream media worse. And here's the problem in the mainstream media. I take Norm. I take umbrage with that Columbia journalism review uh, piece from the New York Times for one reason, one reason only. There's no such thing as objectivity. And I get tired of hearing people in my business saying we have to be objective. That's just cover for bullshit. The bottom line is you have to present vetted facts. That's the coin of the realm. And if the Times would concentrate and if CNN would concentrate on vetted factual information, we'd all be a lot better off rather than telling me, you know, both sidesism, you know, false equivalency. Well, I'm being well, fair. Horseshit. Let me go back to the, to the uh, you know, at the, at the town hall, you know, having Caitlin Collins just say, no, that's not true and fact check him. And then he's this sort of like tsunami of lies. It. What they should have done, and I heard that they maybe they negotiated they couldn't, is they should have done pop-up video like they used to do on VH1. As soon as he said a lie, you could have the actual something bigger than him because he's so big and so commanding. Anything he said to the audience that they'd pre-selected to applaud and, and you said, Brian, uh, I, and yeah. weren't allowed to boo made it um, made him able to amplify the lies. Let me just, I want to do something in our, in our final uh, 10 minutes here, which is um, something we that watched it last week, folks who are watching, can you in the comments um, make a list of questions you have? I'm looking now, and um, and I'd like to uh, I'd like to respond to those. So I'm gonna bef before um, while you're doing that, I'm gonna ask uh, Norm um, so for a uh, a optimistic optimistic uh, take. Like, what is the thing? <laughs> Uh, I know this is out of your comfort zone, um, but is there anything happening or has happened this week in the news or is coming up that you that gives you renewed hope about the future of our, our country? Sure. Before I get to that, Jen, I just want to say that I, if we're going to do a town hall, I want it to be like Mystery Theater 3000, if any of you remember that. <laughs> You know? We can sit in. The, we can sit on the side and go bullshit. No, you two people, three experts on a couch, and yeah. when he says something, they say that's a bunch of bullshit. Here's the reality. <laughs> <laughs> but we shouldn't be doing town halls. Uh, so a couple of things that are positive. One is astonishingly, uh, at the border, we see a dramatic drop off in crossings. And that actually is a good thing because it takes the pressure off where we don't have the ability or the facilities to take in large numbers of people who are legitimate asylum seekers, find a place to put them, and then be able to adjudicate them. And despite, you know, Republicans are searching for a big issue to mobilize their base in the aftermath of Dobbs. They were hoping the border would be the one. And of course... The nonsense that we see from Elise Stefanik and others 
who look at when we capture all the fentanyl or get bad actors coming across the border as bad news, when in fact it's a sign that we're actually uh, making things work at the border. But that's good news. I think the second piece of good news is that so much in the economy is actually working quite well, even if people don't recognize it. Gasoline prices are coming down. And then one third piece of potential good news, which is that I think the offensive, the counteroffensive that the Ukrainians are going to do is going to devastate the Russians even more. And that could be good news globally uh, as well. So there are some good things. And finally, I'm seeing at least a few signs that congressional Democrats, more in the House were in the minority than in the Senate, and the three of us and others have to put pressure on senators, are starting to push back a little bit. They're starting to look at what Republicans are trying to do with their budget cuts, with uh, the devastation that we're seeing uh, with women almost bleeding to death, uh, 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 because they're being denied treatment, uh, even if it's not an abortion, um, they're starting to try and frame this in the right way. If they do more of that, we'll be in better shape. Thank you. How about you, Brian? I, I saw well, you're taking out your guitar. Were you going to like play? Was, you playing yeah, Kumbaya? Say, he's hitting it. All I got to do is hit the right chord. He's there. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I I think it will. Uh, what I see good, look, I've, in the last year and a half, I've actually driven across the country three times. We won't say why, but <laughs> family stuff. But I have seen, for example, the infrastructure bill well at work at everywhere. If the Democrats would take, I would love to see them take yeah. more, uh, uh, you know, responsibility for that good side of it. I also, I do also see people trying to work together more. That gives me hope. Um, nothing brought me more hope than seeing a, a family member of mine who's so MAGA, it's disgusting. And then uh, someone who, in my family who's so far left that they, you know, I that I find it disgusting. But to, together, and they're married, but <laughs> together they were actually starting to work together. I, I think that this country has reached a tipping point in the divisiveness. And what I see, what I do see on a daily basis is people who just want to work together. If uh -huh. they can be provided with ways to do it instead of ways to drive them apart, I think we're headed in the right direction. And and Norm, God bless you, because I, it, the first stuff that you were talking about made me so damn depressed. I was, like, <laughs> I was glad to yeah. see you had. I was glad to see you had some some positive. I, I'm always, you know, the one thing I do like about Biden is whenever and he's answered. I'll give him this. Every time I've been in front of him, he's answered a question from me. And the thing that he's always said is he is a hopeless. Not a hopeless romantic, but a hopeless optimist. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So for me, seeing people in, even though I disagree with them on, on things, but to see them caring about the things that matter and being hopeful uh, themselves gives me hope. You so, know, I, I want to add to this. Like, I'm a hopeless optimist, but I'm also, um, I believe in facts and science. So let me give you a metaphor. Um you know, over the past number of years, what's been kind of a miracle is treatment for breast cancer has gotten so much better. I have so many friends who it's been detected early on. It's hard treatment, but they're having clean bills of health year after year. We And I think about all these women friends of mine 
who wouldn't be with us, who would have left their children and their families. And I am so grateful for that. Um, but I didn't just say, let's just pray the cancer away. Right. I, I am someone who is optimistic when I see, are there results? Is there science? Whatever. So the same thing is true. We have a cancer on our democracy, and that is now the current Republican Party. And right I don't... And, I think you have to acknowledge it. You can't just say, well, it's going to get better, but we have to point out, you know, the scan. If there's cancer on the scan, then we need to do the surgery or the chemo. It's not yep. going to just go away on its own. So I think that for people, like, I think the reason why I don't easily get depressed about these things is because I can clearly see the evidence and I have hope because in history, we have done this before, but nothing gets better by looking the other way. It only yep. gets better by facing, facing up to it. it and treatment. And, you know, that's what I what I think. Amen. Um, we've got some questions, and one is a really interesting one um, that I haven't heard before. Someone said, um, if all libraries have free meeting rooms to reserve and use for gatherings, are they ever used? And that's a good question. I think, so, you know, I think people should think about that. Like, you know, it is a room to meet in your town and talk about what's going on in your town. If you're concerned about people getting on the school board who are going to ban books, maybe gather people together who believe in freedom of, of speech and, and believe in reproductive freedom and believe in shared prosperity. Get together. Have regular meetings. Why not? Maybe some libraries these days let you bring snacks. Um, I think that's a great, great idea. Um, another one that was more for the group, which is, um, and I'll, I'll send this one to you, Brian, and then Norm. Why? Someone asked, why isn't the alleged uh, pardon for money allegation, why isn't that top news? Brian. I'm sorry, the, the what? The allegations in the Rudy Giuliani lawsuit. Why isn't, why isn't the allegation that Trump was allegedly involved in selling pardons, why is that not top news, someone asked? That is a very good question, and that is, but here's the thing. Every time we touch Trump in the media, we screw it up. And so there's, there, is a, um, there is a tendency among, uh, and I don't want to say mainstream media. I don't like it that term because it's, it was actually used, I believe, first in Germany. During, I, I think corporate media is the, is the proper term. It, those things in, are not often touched upon in corporate media for two reasons. We don't have, to Jen's point earlier, you know, about uh, opinions and policy. We don't have the bench strength in the press anymore to attack these things and to look at them because we have over, because of media consolidation, we have smaller and smaller staffs of younger and younger reporters who have no clue how to tear apart an issue and look into it, and it doesn't drive ratings. So you're not going to see that in, in, unless there's a charge or unless it, it jumps out at us in, in, a, in a more prolific manner. It's just an accusation in a, buried in, a, in an investigation on Rudy Giuliani, and it's not, the, it's not the news of the day for them. So unfortunately, until we get better reporters, we're, we're screwed. I, I, I would uh, add to that. Uh, this woman not only uh, has said in her filing that uh, Rudy was saying that pardons were $2 million that he would split with Trump, but also that early in 2019, he was hatching up a scheme to say that the election was stolen. 
Now, those are allegations, Brian is right. But we also know that Rudy let this woman have 30,000 of his emails transferred to her computer. And that includes emails with uh, the Trump family, with all of the people around Donald Trump, probably with some Russians. And it's quite possible, if I would assume that uh, Jack Smith and the people around him, Fannie Willis and others, and uh, Tish James, are all looking into whether they can subpoena her computer and get access to those emails. Because these are not just emails from Rudy Giuliani. There are emails to Rudy Giuliani. If indeed there was a pardon scheme, it is quite likely that there are emails between Giuliani and maybe Donald Trump Jr. or maybe Trump himself saying, okay, here's somebody who's willing to give us the $2 million. Then they well, can trace the money. I don't think he's ever on his own email. Yeah. I, and secondly, I based on an interview, the lawyer was on um, some show last night, and though he said there were uh, recordings of other things, in I guess in the complaint when it doesn't say there's – I think he's been through every email. I don't know if they have evidence – in the email, but you're right. There could be hints, and there could be code language, Norm. Yeah. Um, and there are also other people. She must have told contemporaneously about this, right? Remember what Michael Cohen said. It was uh, you ever saw the movie Goodfellas? You know, Big Paulie. He didn't. He didn't talk in front of more than two or three people during the day. He didn't want anybody hearing what he said, and he didn't want anybody hearing what was said to him. That and Cohen said that Donald Trump often operated did not. Uh, get involved in email, did not get involved in texts, uh, only on, as you said earlier, Norm, he thought doing it out in public <laughs> absolved him of any criminal I mean, the question is, would Rudy Giuliani, if he thinks Donald's going to win, no one's going to flip on Donald if they think he could win, yep. because look what happened to Michael Cohen, right? There's always, yeah. but, you know, Rudy also isn't in his right mind. And maybe he will, because he may be in a lot of trouble. As Norm mentioned, there are all these emails, and there's been discovery in these various criminal and civil cases. And if it turns out he didn't hand over some of the emails he should have, you know, you've got obstruction right there. I mean, there's a, you know, he's in for uh, going to go through some things, as 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 they all say. Um, and and well, he should. But you know, even if there, if Trump is not doing this directly, we're going to be able to find out if. Uh, and you can, first of all, Rudy is not going to uh, use code language. Um, <laughs> but I can imagine reaching out to uh, Mark Meadows. Uh-huh. I can imagine uh, reaching out to uh, Mike Pompeo. I can imagine Don Jr. or Eric being involved with these schemes. And even if Donald wasn't directly, if we find that somebody paid money to Rudy and others and that Donald Trump pardoned that person, you're getting very close to, uh, although, you know, I, I've got to figure out what the uh, criminal statute is involving selling pardons. It's, it's 18 USC. It's yeah. 201. Probably. It's probably yeah. also the conspiracy statute. It's probably, yeah. we could go on. It's probably also, whatever, we could go on and on about that. But even, even if Donald Trump didn't know about it, if Rudy did 
solicit people yeah. to do that, that in and of itself is a crime too. Uh, and it would be people around Trump, including very likely his family. So, you know, yeah, it's, and, uh, you know he's already shown a, shown but, a propensity to throw them under the bus. And <laughs> before we wrap it up, just to, the, the other reason I think that it's not a, as big of a story in the press is there's a concern about defamation. You don't really want to, based on just one person's complaint, they need to probably see if she'll talk to them. What other evidence? I imagine the reporters, I mentioned that the, the, this lawyer's phone is ringing off the hook right now. Well, Jen, that goes back to the earlier thing about not having the experience to handle it. They, they don't want, you're right, you're, they don't want a defamation suit, but we don't even have the bench strength in most major media to take that issue and and to dig into it. We just don't have the people. And so, well, yes, also, you're Jack absolutely Smith, right. And Jack Smith might be getting there first and telling them don't talk to anyone but us right now. Yeah. I mean, if I were him, I would be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one last thing. You know, Mary, when she's here, often has that bumper sticker. So, Norm, what's your bumper sticker for today? Um, what's my bumper sticker for today? Uh, go to uh, Brian first. Uh, ah. <laughs> my bumper sticker for today? Pick up my guitar and play, just like <laughs> yesterday. And I get on my knees and pray I won't get fooled again. I like that. That's a little long for a bumper yeah, sticker. Yeah, <laughs> Mine um, is go ahead, yeah. Norm. No, no you go first. ahead. You go ahead. No. I, well, I'm trying to think of something that's uh, still hopeful. Um, maybe mine is if you can read this bumper sticker, you're too close to the back of my car. <laughs> 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 I'm kind of ornery today. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I will go with uh, what I'm now saying every time, uh, which is multiple times a day. We hear of another mass shooting and deaths. Another yeah. day in paradise. Mm. Right. It's the guns. And Brian, you can use your guitar to that song. <laughs> I'll hit well, the E. Thanks, By friends. the way, uh, oh, yeah. I had to come across last night a, uh, it's an MGM Plus documentary series uh, on uh, uh, the music scene in California uh, in the uh, 1960s, 70s, and, and 80s that is uh, really worth uh, watching. I've seen lot, it. That's good. Yeah, a lot of uh, uh, of uh, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, uh, Crosby, Stills, uh, Nash. Uh, is that the one with Jason? Is that the one with Jason Dillon in it? Oh no, uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, good. Jacob Dillon. Canyon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fa yeah. fabulous. I think I've watched it. I yeah. highly recommend yeah. it. Hey, I'll plug one. It's called Six Feet Apart. You can see it on Amazon.com, and it's about the early days of the uh, 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 coronavirus. And Very good. Gee, I wonder who did it. Oh, I did. <laughs> you know, Brian, it's too, for those soon. Who don't too know, soon. For those who don't know, I went to high school with Neil Young. Did you? Oh, you did? Yes, I did in Winnipeg. I went to high school in wow. Winnipeg. Uh, Neil Young and... Uh, you look too Neil young for that, Norm. Yeah, uh, I am. I'm. Uh, I actually was a few years ahead, but um, Neil, who I've uh, touched base with, um, who's still absolutely fabulous. Um, but when we had to, needed a dance band for the uh, for a prom, we had a, a group called Chad Allen uh, and the Expressions, and that was Randy Bachman and uh, Bob Whoa. Turner. Over. We had two Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, wow. Acts, uh, 
What a legendary high school. What was in the drinking fountains, Norm? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Young has, the, uh, has one of the best rockers of all time. Uh, you know, yeah. there's colors on the street, red, white, and blue, shuffling on the pee, people sleeping in their shoes. There's a warning sign on the road ahead. Yeah. A lot of people saying we'd be better off dead. Don't feel well, like that- uh, rocking in the free world. Well, that is Brandon awesome, Rock guys. Still alive and kicking too. Neil lives mostly in Los Angeles with his wonderful, talented, and incredibly smart wife, uh, Daryl Hannah. What? Wow. Yeah. Neil's married to Daryl Hannah. Neil is married to Daryl Hannah, who uh, should still have a vibrant career, but actually was, I think, one of the victims of Harvey mm, Weinstein right. because she did not do what he wanted. And he basically got her blacklisted. Mm. And so this whole thing comes full circle because, of, of course, the yeah. Rudy Giuliani case is also a case about sexual harassment and assault. Okay, yeah. on that happy note, thanks, guys. It's been real. Um, ho- hopefully, Mary will be back uh, next week. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. 